0: I'm going to ask us to uh, go back to August if we can remember that far. Start of uh, start of August, we've put six past press, press which is It was a bit of <laughs> a formality, really, but only because of how good we are. And then we've got beaten at Whitby on the first day. But then Sam Fishburn comes along, put seven past Grantham. We're going into a bank holiday Monday at Atherton. One four on the bounce. Are you getting ahead of yourself or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I think you always do. I think, you know, I, I'd love to say, oh, no, we, we don't. You do, you, you you get carried away with where you are, I thought we were dead unlucky when we got beat by Whitby, I mean obviously we had 10 men for 70 odd minutes because Carps got sent off but I still thought we gave a decent account of ourselves and we didn't know that Whitby would be a playoff chasing side come the end of the season because I didn't think they would be but they obviously had the best striker in the league and you know, I think it's just been sold to Darlington today in Hazel so so yeah, I, you know you, I felt we almost felt a little bit of pressure which was a bit strange after one game but we felt like we had to go to Witten and Win, We took a massive risk on Sam because we knew very little about him and he just, he, you know what, Sam Fishburne's a really interesting footballer because you could look at him and think you're not actually that good, but he puts the ball in the net yeah. and sometimes that, that's what's going to stand him he'll have a career that kid because he knows how to finish, he knows, it's not just that, he knows areas of the pitch to go into and at that age, he hasn't been coached that and that's just a natural thing for him and, uh, and that's why he'll do alright, so losing him, when you look at the season and there's loads of sort of mitigating circumstances and things that we've been frustrated by. But that was probably the start of it. You know, expect, we expected to have him. The deal was until the end of January. Yeah, and eight going, and six
0: was, speaks for itself really, doesn't it? Yeah,
1: and he was gone in, gone in a month, was he? So, and obviously replacing, you can't replace them goals without spending a lot of money. So yeah, we went to Atherton thinking that we were probably a little bit ahead of ourselves and we really struggled at Atherton. I don't know why it is, but we've always struggled there.
0: I think we get stooped down to their level.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the case. You talk about the the points we dropped this season against Grantham at home, you know, Witten at home. You know, they're the two teams that went down and we couldn't finish them off. And I always think it's teams that, if I was playing against us, and I don't think teams want to do this, and that's why we beat the top teams, I think you play against us with a low block and say, go on then, beat us. And I'm not sure that we always can. I'm not sure we've always got, we've we've got, the players to dominate the ball. I think we're a much better side when teams come on to us and try and beat us and we go, go on then, try and beat us. And then we've got enough quality when the game gets a bit stretched or they overcommit a player and we can find a pocket. I think that's the sort of side. We're almost like a counter-attacking side sometimes. But the teams that come to us and think, oh, these are a good side, you know, these are up there and then they sit in. It's a real problem for us. And, uh, and we've been trying to fix it for a while. We've been trying to do different things and, Work on different ways, but we ju- at the moment we just haven't got the that answer just yet.
0: We got beat at Everton, of course, and that led to a, a run of four points in eight. So after maybe getting ahead of yourself, we were all worried because there was quite a bit of inconsistency.
1: Yeah, there was a really tough the, the toughest period of the season was when we lost at, at home to Gainsborough, at home to Stafford. That's it was really frustrating because when you look at those two games in isolation, we could replay those games ten times and we'd have. Probably won seven, drawn two, and lost one. And I mean the Stafford game, they had two shots. Oh, sorry, get the Gainsborough game at home. They had two shots on target and scored. And the two, beat twice on break, twice from two corners. And you just sort of almost, you know, football kicks you when you're down, doesn't it? And it and it it you're getting a little rot and it's hard to get out of it sometimes. And we've gone in. It's been a weird season because we've gone in spurts. We've lost five or six. We've won five or six. We've we've you know we've never really had that win two, lose one, draw one. Win two, never really been like that for us this year. And that's because I, I think, analysing it, that yes, we've had a, an ageing squad. There's no secret of that. Have we pushed some players a season too far or asked too much of them at, at certain ages? We've I've, I've always felt this year we've always been one big injury or one lengthy suspension or two away from big trouble. And obviously when we lost, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but when we lost Reese and, and Dawson... Um, you had to replace two of them and now you can't have any injuries, and now you can't have any suspensions and go right fast forward to Miklova, five or six of them on the pitch against Miklova shouldn't have been playing. They were dead on the feet. So, yeah, we ran out of gas but ultimately we didn't have the squad depth to deal with any problems that we might have had. Uh, I mean, we've dragged Teague through 36 games and he's, you know, he's had limbs falling off at, at one point. But, I mean, that's the, the measure of what sort of character he is because he would he would play on one leg but um but you're not gonna get the best out of anyone when it's like that so yeah we just didn't have the, the depth and in them sticky sticky moments them sticky periods we were looking to maybe refresh things and it's a tough whole market the, the the player market's been really weird this year because I think because of covid I think because lads have just stayed where they are generally and you know got back into football and got back in the swing of things and all of a sudden now the player market in the last week has just exploded with recruitment coming out of our ears and, and all that sort of thing. But yeah, the, the the toughest period for me was before Christmas. I don't know what month that was, probably October, November, when we when we lost them two home games. And I think we were three or four, five without a win. And I've never experienced that at Lancaster. So, you know, it was a bit new for us as well to, to obviously have to find some of the answers that we maybe haven't had to
0: find before. Well, that spell you're talking about, Lack of depth, and that was one of a few mitigating circumstances to really getting going. But there can't have been many individual moments that set us back more than Calpfoot getting sent off at Morpeth. <laughs>
1: uh, honestly, the the I've got a list of them. I wrote a list ju- just for my own peace of mind, really. And as I was writing it, I was like, "Mate, you're making excuses here." And I, but I just wanted to see, almost see it on a piece of paper, and it yeah. was it was one of them that Calp's getting sent off at Morpeth is a travesty. And I know that we shouldn't talk about... I mean, I got myself in bother. We we, we we published a an interview with me after that game and it got taken down after about five minutes. We were warned, basically, to take it down because I couldn't contain myself. I, I Listen, I, I have a hate-hate, love-hate-hate hate relationship with referees because there's so few, not good ones, but so few sensible ones nowadays, I think. And I think they're all... They're in actually a race to the top themselves. So it's almost a competitive world and the, there's no common sense we refereeing and no communication we refereeing. But the Morpeth one was laughable. And the fact that it is quite high stakes for our club, you know, we want to do well in the FA Cup. I I thought we had the measure of them. I mean, forget the sending off. What about the fact that we hit four clubs on the back of them appointing a new manager this year? We were the next game for all them clubs. Uh, and Morpeth was one of them. We hit them. There were other three. Uh, so what, we hit Warrington on a new manager and they beat us five. Mm. We hit, who else did we hit?
0: There was two more. they oh, will come to me in a minute. Well, well that was, was weird, Warrington. It got beat 5-1, but we are in the played game. Really well.
1: <laughs> played really well. played really well. We made some individual errors that cost us, but I think we create, I mean, the good thing that we have is we have great data. I mean, Dom who does the analysis for us, fantastic. And I know that games aren't won and lost on data, but it does give you a good idea of what's going on. I think we have Eleven shots on target and didn't score. But when you look back at this season, mate, the, the the fact is we haven't scored enough goals, and that's that's ultimately what has what has cost us. Because in the marginal games where we've previously, you know, just nicked a one 0 or whatever, we haven't had that threat or enough of that threat. We had a couple of tough moments, to be fair. And, and again, as I say, we haven't had, having to find the solutions to some of that stuff is new to us because we've not really experienced it before yet
0: so in that spell in the autumn going into the winter, we we kind of pulled ourselves out of it a bit. We beat Hyde, Killofin scored there, and then we beat FC United. We've beaten seven of the ten teams above us. Why are we so much supposedly so much better with our backs to the wall? Well, my my, my first thing would be, I, I, like I said before, I think our style of
1: play or the players that we've got suit come and beat us. Then we, you know we those I you know yourself and, and a few of us sort of like to analyse the way we set up and the things that we do if you look at us, we are generally a 3-5-2 but we're like a modified 3-5-2, we play with one striker and a a midfield box, so we've got four players in midfield, so we say to them, right you can't get down the middle to us we we block the middle off and say right, you can't play through us, you can't really play over us because you're playing into Teaguey and Steely and big strong centre halves, so your only way is to get down the sides to us Um, and I think South Shields at home was a great example, I don't know if you were there but I thought they gave up. That's what I thought. I thought South Shields, when we worked, when they couldn't, they could work us out, but they didn't know how to change it. And I think that's because I'm pretty sure uh, Graham Fenton would have known how to, how to change it, by the way, because I think he's significantly better than Kevin Phillips is. As a could manager. you,
0: you have chairman saved him from top spot in it?
1: <sighs> Honestly, unbelievable. Um, but, and I'm, I don't know Graham Fenton particularly well, but my dealings with him have always been really good. And I've thought, yeah, you know what you're on about. And, um, that's a good example. I think when we frustrated them, they almost got bored of, of of doing the same thing and not getting any success. And we then grow into games. Um, there's no doubt that we are... Uh, there was a stat, I had a stat, and it won't be the same now because it was early in the season, but it was something like in my time here, we've only been beat five times or four times when we've scored first. And we're always, that. I think we are that, get your nose in front. Give yourself a platform, you know, make yourself difficult to beat, be resilient and robust and resolute. And, and I think that's, that is the, the model that we've worked on. We'd like to change that and we've got plans afoot to try and alter how we play a little bit next season. And I know there's loads of work around on the pitch because our pitch is horrendous or has been horrendous. And that sort of dictates how you play sometimes. So, yeah, that, But and I do think that we've got some big game players. You know, Andy Teague doesn't have any worries about playing South Shields at home because he's played them sort of games, and that's where experience does come in. And uh, and I think the emergence of people like Christian Sloan, who've got energy and work rate and desire, you know, we do raise our game, which is frustrating for me. I have to be honest; it's frustrating that we can raise our game. I said to the players against when we played Witten, it's pointless. I think we'd won four and at Buxton dragged ourselves back into it, and then got beat by Witten. In a game that both teams needed to win, um, so we went for it and they went for it, and all of a sudden big gaps appeared on the pitch and, and they capitalised. But my message to the players was: you can't pick and choose, lads. When you that's why we haven't been where we wish we, we felt we should have been, because you can't pick and choose when you raise your game and when you raise your work rate and when you you know you can't just be up for the big games against the big clubs because you feel you have to be or you'll get heavily beat. And you think you'll roll Witten over because no team in this league gets rolled over. We've seen it with, you know, Grantham. Grantham beat South Shields two games to go. Oh, yeah. game of the season, There's no cliche, isn't it? But our league's like the Championship. Everybody beats everybody. There's, you don't get rollovers. Yeah, as we've
0: beaten seven of the 10 teams above us. Four points off Buxton.
1: Yeah. Four off Matlock. Oh, three off Matlock. Enough. Yeah, three off Matlock. Um, yeah. Three off Shields. Yeah. I don't think anyone took four, four points off Buxton. Four off Morpeth. Four off Morpeth, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd be happy never to play Morpeth again, by the way. It's one of my least favourite places. I hate it. I
0: hate got a good it. stat about that uh, trip in a bit. But you've, I'm going to bring this question forward because you started talking about it. In your three and a half years, pretty much set up in a 3-5-2, 5-3-2, five, five, whichever way you're going, really. Yeah. Is that yours or is that what we've got?
1: Well, when I first Thank came you. to the club, that first season we played uh, a four-four-two diamond for most of the season, and we we played with split strikers, which was generally Blinkhorn and Carsley, or Blinkhorn and Norris sometimes, uh, or Blinkhorn and Killerfin, They would be your sort <clears> of split split strikers. And we again we made it really difficult to beat. We did loads of work on sending a a, a wide diamond mid centre midfielder out. So Rob Wilson did it really well, where he would just go and screen a side and stop a fullback getting out. And again, play down the middle and try and try and break us down. <clears> teams couldn't. As the as the season went on, it developed that we we got obviously Jack Armour in um that second season and we started to develop playing with a a back three and it sort of worked for us. So it was a bit experimental. It is a system that I've not really used at, at Rami, for example, or, or at Nelson. But we stumbled across it and it and it worked. So we just started developing it and as I say, we, we we have modified it now to play with two tens in midfield and and a single striker. And it we can release another striker up there if we need to. But yeah, it it it's our preferred shape. It I think every I think from what I've seen in this league, you either play against that or you play against a pretty bog standard four three three or 4 four four two three one. I think only Witten manipulate a little bit and Steve Chatlett base produced to change shapes a lot, but he doesn't anymore because he's not there. But yeah, it's um, I think you play against one of them two shapes and they generally, if you're three five two against three five two, it's who does it best. If you're three five two against four three three, you're playing against one striker, three players against one striker, so you can release a player to to try and you know get you out from the back a little bit or start the play or whatever but yeah it, it we fell upon it really we had the players to do it I think we've still got the players to do it we are recruiting to it at the moment um, but we're also recruiting with with a change of shape in
0: mind if if we saw need I seem to remember you playing it at Gaisley the first time I remember it in FA mm-hmm. Trophy
1: well we had Steve Williams we had Steve Williams we had uh, Craig Stanley and we had uh, Paul Dugdale who was playing as a left side centre half as well at the time so we sort of had the players to do it. And yeah, I always think with a new shape, players take confidence. If they win, they take confidence. And you can almost, you know, the players like, not excuses, but like reason. So they like to think if we've come off a bad run or we've changed something it's worked, the creature's a habit. So they want the same. They want, you know, we went to a four against Nicola over the last game of the season. And the amount of players since that have said, that shape doesn't suit us. It doesn't, we haven't got the players for that shape. And they're probably
0: right. It's a big change Yeah, going from three to... It,
1: it, it, it is a big change, especially when you've got um, centre-halves who are probably not that mobile. So, you know, no disrespect to Steely or Tigi, but they're probably not that mobile. So having three centre-halves works for them. I mean, I, I would...
0: I have at middle doing that kind of running and then the two... Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: You protect them, yeah. And I think Calps will end up playing... Um, that's probably a right-sided centre-half because I think in the games where you play against one centre-forward, Couch will be released to almost step into midfield and start things off for us and because he's, such a good, he's so good on the ball. Then he'd give us a little bit of a different angle. You can then push your you know, holding midfield player on a little bit and you just create a different dynamic to, to, to your building of your attacks. And that might be the solution that breaks down some of the teams that sit in against us. We'd have to work on it. But yeah, I think we've got the players to do it. We are recruiting to it now, but we're we've also we're also recruiting to players that we think, right, well, if we did have to go all-back four, who would play in that position? I mean, we don't really have a right-back at the club. So Sam Bailey is a, is a very good, very effective right-wing back. But by his own admission, you put him into a, a traditional right-back. He's not a defender by trade, so he's a little bit of a square peg in a round hole. So if we went to a four, there was always bits of it that we weren't quite happy with. So, so yeah, it's... Um, we're very early to be suggesting what we'd use next year, but I'd be very surprised if we're that far away from what's what's
0: worked for us. Square pegs in round holes. That was that was summed up at Staley Bridge, I think. That at that game on Bamber Bridge. Yeah, Lee Brockbank is kind of everybody knows how good he is. Everyone knows how good Sam Bailey is, but I think it really highlighted how much we miss him on the right hand side.
1: Yeah, well, absolutely, because we 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 have built a team around two wing backs causing problems for people. You know, I always think that with Liam and Sam, slightly different. They actually occupy different areas of the pitch in terms of how high one gets. Brocky's a lot higher than Sam Bailey usually. Um, but you're asking questions of, of back fours. You're saying to those those fullbacks, especially teams that want to get the fullbacks on and want to create overlords in wide areas, you can't do it against us. Because if you leave Liam Brockbank down one side or you leave Sam Bailey, they'll hurt you. Um, so, yeah... We, then I mean I thought actually Bamba Bridge at home I thought Bamba Bridge away, we were very unlucky. I thought we again we should have got something from that game. Bamba Bridge at home, if the goal had been allowed that Joe Rodwell Grant scored for getting there first ahead of the goalkeeper, but again referees go off like car alarms in the night, don't they, when a goalkeeper's involved. Um, they're a they're a protected species. So I think if that was a if that was allowed and it had been one one, I don't think anyone would really have complained. Yes, they are they have a real clear style of playing and actually they're a bit longer than I thought they were going to be. And they were pretty good at being, at being a bit longer. But yeah, we we, we you miss two or three or, or two, we're in trouble. And we've always known that we haven't had that depth. And part of my discussions with the club this summer, last week or so, have been about having a little bit more depth in certain areas, having a little bit more quality in certain areas. Um, there's no doubt that this summer is is massive for us. In terms of recruitment. And it's interesting because at the end of the season was obviously a little bit of a, a damp squid for everyone. And I, I came out of Miclover drove home from miclover thinking, oh my God, that's been hard work. It's been a really tough year. And it's taken me, what, two weeks or whatever it is now to start to get excited. So, you know, I've had some really great conversations with our current players this week. I've engaged six, seven new signings this week. I think we've got two or three done. And all of a sudden you're thinking, oh my God, I want to get back in. And that I'm pleased I'm like that because certainly at times this year I've been like, oh, I could go and play golf at a weekend at the moment because I think and I think that's COVID. I think it's getting back into football. I think it's been it's been a long slog for everybody. It's felt like it's felt like work at times, and it's it's not your job and it shouldn't feel like work. You've got to make sure you're still getting the buzz out of it. So I'm pleased that it's only taken me, you know, a week or so to to get myself back engaged for, for next season.
0: So back to the winter. You've said plenty on this already. However, we had a bit of trouble with an agent. <laughs> One of them thought had already gone. Yeah, Reese, Reese, and Lewis. They were they weren't handled great, and Stanway couldn't really complain about. As I yeah. said, you've said plenty. But were there any of them that particularly hurt you in the way they were dealt with and in terms of selection?
1: Yeah, so so as so, Well, they're all they were all big misses, weren't they? Because they're all good footballers. There was two that were a particular issue for me. Uh, I mean, with Paul, you've got to bear in mind how we got Paul Dawson. We got Paul Dawson because we were in a better position than Bamber Bridge at the time. So I was opportunistic and I took Paul Dawson. All that's happened is it's gone the other way, and that's football. So they're in a better position than us at the time. Millie's been opportunistic. Cause he's got a relationship with Paul and said, "Come on then, come here." Paul's taken the bait, which is you know fair enough. You know he's got a little bit more money for himself. He, he has a relationship there, you know. In in a year's time, that could or six months' time, that could flip again because that's football, you know. I, I, and players are like that. Let's not let's not pretend they're not. Let's let's, you know. I think people are more disappointed with Paul because he's a Lancaster lad, and you know. But at least with Paul, to be fair to him, he was honest with me on the phone. He told me what he was doing. He told me he was having a discussion. I mean, people don't know, but the week before, Warrington Ashton and Warrington Ashton FC United all came in for him. So we'd already had to see all three of them off. We'd have to give them an improved deal for that, and then Bamber Bridge came and and gave a, a further improved deal. So, listen, I'm not got a problem with Paul. I shook his hand when he came. He comes to watch more games than I I'm at at the moment. But yeah, I, I, I shook his hand when he came last time. I had a little chat with him. It's it's football. So I wasn't actually I was bothered about Paul leaving because I'd I would certainly me personally invested a lot of time in Paul to try and. Take the edge off his discipline try and make him play in a certain way. Try to get the most out of him. But again, Paul's a young lad. He's I've, I've, listen. It's football. I'm I'm, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I was more bothered about Reece and Fenner's. Um, Reece because he, he'd me and uh, Craig Rutherford were driving home from training on a Thursday night, and I'd spoke to him on the phone. So he's on my Bluetooth in the car, and we'd had to do a, another deal for Reece because of the interest from a couple of clubs. And Reese had you know, said on the floor, I said, Are we done, Reese? Is that it? Are we sorted? And he was like, Yeah, Gaffo we're sorted. And then the next day, the agent rings me and says, Just to let you know, I've done a deal for Reese Turner. And I was like, He's told me last night. I, I were, you know, he's got an improved offer out of us. So that was my, that was, that, that, they're the things that that disappoint me because that felt a bit dishonest. And I was annoyed by that. You know, I was really, really frustrated with Reese leaving. The Fenners one, that, that became more personal because, I've known that kid since he was 13, 14. I've known his dad. I employed his dad at the college for a few years. And the fact that the agent told me rather than the player was was my issue with that one. Um, but the club made a mistake with his contract. That's that's why he ended up going, because we made an error with his contract and it wasn't as watertight as it should have been. So, uh, Michael's were opportunistic. And we've learned a lesson from it. We, it won't happen again. But, you know, they're, they're three players that would all be in your starting eleven most weeks. Um, so, so, they were the two, Reese and Fenners were the two that really disappointed me. Um, obviously, Fenners was naive in terms of what he said to, to Macclesfield's press. I, I certainly don't think he meant it that way, but it, it didn't come out great. Um, so, I
0: spoke to him and I think in being complimentary, it accidentally, I say accidentally, it only, yeah, unintentionally yeah. stepped on us a bit.
1: Trying to impress his new club, but unfortunately, it sounded like he was hammering his old club. Um, So yeah, it was that. Yeah, and I think that's again that will be lessons learned for everybody. The the, the, finally the Will Standway one, no no real qualms over that, other than the agent. You know, the the problem with Will was they rang us on a Friday night and said Chester need a goalkeeper tomorrow, and I said, all right, Uh, tough. (laughs) You know, you can't have a goalkeeper tomorrow because my priority is Lancaster, and they offered us a few bits and pieces and. A friendly, which they're not really forthcoming on keeping to their promises at the moment. Chester, they're not really responding to us in terms of a friendly, uh, and I have no problem chucking them under the bus because that's not the way to behave. Um, but we, and so we ended up trying to work a deal out for another goalkeeper. We ended up getting one, and uh, and Will was allowed to go, which is probably the right thing to do. The the circumstances weren't great with the agent, and you know the the fact that this agent, this particular agent, is. Uh, rings you up and starts kicking off and swearing down the phone and you know it's just a just a sad indictment of what the power that agents think they have and what they're willing to do to get their players out I mean I'm dealing with agents every day at the moment some of them are fantastic some of them are horrendous Um, but we won't allow you know that my stance with all the players since that is that no player will play for Lancaster under that
0: agent at the moment because he's banned I think we're banned from him as well, to be fair.
1: Yeah, I I believe so. (laughs) Yeah, I believe so.
0: I was uh, just doing my season review today, and to remember the circumstances with all the goalkeepers, I had to go through all the supporters' bulletins because I just could not remember chronologically. What have we had? Nine? We had nine. It might be ten with Steely. I didn't want to put a figure on it because I think it's nine. Get pulled up for it.
1: Yeah, it was. uh, And again, the irony of that is I mean, obviously, we could have taken Sam Ashton in the summer. And we made, this, I made the decision not to take Sam Ashton. And based on the fact that, you know, listen, people get a year older, people move on. Sometimes you've got to take a risk with things. I thought Sam had had a little wobble the season, not the season before, but the season before that, around Christmas time and had lost a bit of form. And then, you know, it was two years older than that and all that sort of thing. So I made that decision. We could, So we could have had Sam and then you always run the risk of regretting those decisions if things don't work out. And they didn't work out Obviously, Matty was brilliant pre-season, but you've got to bear in mind that young goalkeepers, especially, you know, they go through tough patches and he had a little tough patch and then we, we looked about making a change. We got the two young kids in from Blackburn who I thought were both very good and then they got recalled from due to COVID and then we had another one on loan and then we Will came in and it just, yeah, I've never known anything like it, but the irony of it is, Nine or ten goalkeepers. We only actually dropped one of them, so everything else was a an injury, a suspension. A, I mean, the FA Trophy was unbelievable. The lead up to the FA Trophy game at Liversidge. Ryan Hoggart started, ended up start playing in, and did really well. To be fair, at 17. they were rubbing their hands together,
0: By yeah. there, they thought but, we were laughing. They tried to knock him off the pitch, and he, he just wasn't having it.
1: Yeah, they uh, so we we had we had an agreement in place for we had, obviously had uh, golf, was was playing at the time and Aidan Dowling and he got injured and then they offered us Felix so Felix was going to come and replace him on the Thursday oh no it was Tuesday night game wasn't it on the Monday and then he got Covid and then Mike Alexander was going to come back in and then we were past the deadline by the time that had happened so we tried to get three keepers for the game and the only other keeper registered was was young Ryan so he played and to be fair he played really well that night and, and you know what he had to do he did well but uh, just the, the the circumstances again I've never had situations like that when you've got a when you've got a use use nine 10 goalkeeper so yeah one of our priorities is to secure that position into next season so whether that's Curtis who's got a sort of a deal from us and a deadline for us uh, whether that's Curtis or whether that's a couple of the other irons that we've got in the fire that will be you know one of the first things that we do this pre-season
0: you touched on the FA trophy that that was a that was a superb run. however before we get into that the draw it was ridiculous. Four game, eight hundred and fifty miles we travelled round trips. I'll just go through that quickly. Witten sixty nine, Gainesborough hundred and forty three, Edge eighty four, Morpeth hundred and twenty nine. That's Leland back. <laughs> Liver's edge was the best performance I've seen because I wasn't at Whitby in January. That was brilliant, and Morpeth was a great day out, and we were really unlucky there.
1: Yeah, I thought we, um, I thought we played well at edge because. They'd steamrolled that. They ended up did steamroll the league but they won that league based on power. They are a big side and they they, they put it on you. And yeah, they were certainly. submitting
0: teams before they thought about football. Really. Yeah,
1: yeah. They were, I mean, again, probably saw the best goal of the season as well for me. Reece Turner's goal that day. Was was best was unbelievable. Ball unbelievable. And the, again, I thought even as the game went on I just thought we looked so dangerous on the counter. We looked like we were going to you know, we we could score more goals, and we were happy for them to put it on us. And as long as we dealt with first and second balls, scores he was great that night. He, he shouldn't have been out there either. Um, but as a second ball merchant, there's not many better than Simon Wills. There really isn't. Uh, you know, like we always say that he passes it better with his head than his feet. But um, but yeah, he he, he, as he that's his sort of night. Under lights, big horrible side, and he really comes through. So so yeah, I, I love the trophy. We've always done one the trophy. Um, the FA Cup's a nightmare for us generally but the trophy and again we've been done on penalties at Morpeth and it just would have been nice I'm so pleased we beat Morpeth at the end of the season because we didn't deserve them results you know we didn't deserve we didn't, didn't deserve to go there and lose I didn't think or every time we've been there the, the the draws mate the draws are. and I know the, the only thing I don't understand about draws I've said this before is when you got to that I mean what was it last 64 of the trophy I think it was why would you not just chuck that on YouTube why would you not? If you, the FA just get you know one of the cronies to come pick some balls out of a bag and just put it on YouTube, just so that everybody knows, and I'm sure I'm sure it is absolutely kosher, absolutely legit, but it stops cynical people like me saying, "Oh, here comes another draw, and we've got the furthest possible outcome in the north away from home." So well, I think we've only had one home cup draw haven't we, this season. Ridiculous, but yeah. I don't see why you don't make it a bit more transparent because that's the world we live in. That everything nowadays has to be open and transparent, but not not the FA.
0: We were joking about that before the draw. My mate texted me more up of the way. I was like, "Ha ha, I've checked myself." Oh, it is. Yeah. Brilliant.
1: Yeah. And to be fair, we sort of knew it as well. We sit there on the, on the staff group saying, "Right, this will be this will be more up of the way," and it is.
0: So I said at start of season, if we get into February and we're still in the hunt at the top end we've done very well. You said that at the end of January, we had to go and beat Radcliffe and Grantham before a really formidable run of games was coming. You said it was on, end of Jan, get beat at Gainsborough, back on again after those unbeaten runs. How much of that was true belief in your head? Um,
1: Probably for the players' benefit, to be honest. I I, I always knew that we were a run away, but we were never quite in touching distance, were we? We were never, you know, we were never three points off it or, or four points off it. We were never a win away. We were always two wins away at best. Um, so we, we obviously want to try and keep players focus on on the top end. I thought, you know, Gainsborough again. I, I thought we did all right against Gainsborough. I thought we. Um, I mean, Steely's is at the post twice, hasn't he, in the first half. And then he's had a free header. He could have had a trick Steele in the first half, but. Again, you don't take your chances in games like that and you're susceptible to, you know, I think they scored just before half-time, didn't they? And again, they'd hardly been out there half. At first half, I thought we were excellent. But yeah, there's been loads of games like that, but you add all them up. I mean, I've I've resisted the temptation to go and add up the points that we've dropped and seen where it would have got us. The silly points, the you know, the Grantham at home. Grantham was the one we got on a manager change because they took Derek Green on, spent a load of money to try and avoid the drop. And the first game was us and the drew yeah so Grantham was one of the ones we got on the new manager i listen i I'm quite an optimistic person i I would always look up rather than down and you know somebody said i I generally read quite a lot on social media and I, I probably shouldn't but I remember we we lost a couple of games and people were saying well we're, you know we're gonna get dragged into a battle here we're only six or seven points off the bottom and we're going and I was like, are you joking you know so that so that I would use that and say listen lads your tipping point's probably here. You're not probably not gonna get caught in a scrap, but you've seen teams that have got caught in a scrap. So you use whatever whatever works for yourself to from a motivation perspective and what you think is best for the players to keep them focused on, on on the job in hand and the you know the progression. We were always on the periphery at best of it, I think, um
0: because of our inconsistency. Well we couldn't really get in touching distance and a big part of that is we struggle for goals, so well, well, Grant and Reedy brought a lot to the team, but as the stats show, we, we all wanted him to score more. But they, it's a strange one with them, both of them are in the same position, but they've come from completely different places. Joe's come down from Preston trying to prove himself and Reedy's made a big jump.
1: Yeah, yeah, interesting. I mean Reedy's obviously played in the conference with not a lot, but he's played in the conference with Barrow as a as a younger player. Um Joe really well regarded at Preston. They they really like him and he's scored bagfuls of goals in that in that central league and i know that's different game different type of football um but yeah he probably just struggled a little bit with the with the men's game and the the physicality and and the different but that's part of his development that's part of why he came to us um but yeah the goals i mean really if i could have dragged one in the net for him you know and i think and i and undoubtedly it became a bigger thing than than any of us wanted it to be in terms of him not scoring um, obviously, the chance he missed at Bamber Bridge, the the open goal he missed at Bamber Bridge, if you like, when he went down the side, the left hand side, and he beat the goalkeeper to the ball. He had that many chances, and that's what I mean. Lanky does a lot of work with him, with all the forwards, and Lanky's just, as an ex, you know, striker himself. He's just saying, keep putting yourself in them positions, keep giving yourself an opportunity, keep, you know, and it'll come. But the more it didn't come, you know, I think it it was on his mind, and then it's on our minds, and yeah. It's a shame now because I can pretty much guarantee you after he scored that goal against Mickleover, if we'd have played on the Tuesday, he got two more, because that's football. But yeah, we haven't had enough. Uh, we haven't had enough goals, and that's one of the first things to address in in the summer.
0: A lot of people are saying Scarborough at best team we've seen. They've seen at the Giant Axe. Obviously, they were good enough to go up. Would you agree with that?
1: Um, yeah, I didn't think Scarborough were that good at home. I thought Reedy's really sending off changed the game when we went to Scarborough. Um I thought they were good in the home game. I thought they managed us really well in the home game. Two centre halves who didn't put a foot wrong. And two players who were a bit magic. And we know that Coulson is experienced and will, you know, can can, can hurt teams. And listen, that's what you probably get for a thousand pounds a week or whatever they're paying. Um it's gone in peaks and troughs. I mean I wanted to have Shields out of the league, I'll be honest. I'm um I want them out of the league. And that's not because I don't think we've got a chance against them, because I do. I think, unfortunately, that football club now carries a stigma of a vulnerability about them. And I think that will continue. And I think people always raise the game to them and they find it hard to, to combat that. Whereas in reality, it should be breezing this league. It doesn't work like that. You watch Macclesfield now, they've just gone full-time in the league below. I will not be surprised at all if they don't win the league below.
0: this It's ridiculous.
1: Would not Yeah, of course, yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if they do not come up this year. And they probably go through three or four managers to, to do that, like South Shields will. So you paint a big target on your back. You you, you, all, you don't disrespect the, the people in the league, but you mustn't discredit the, the amount of good players in the Northern Premier League. How many ex-professional footballers are in the Northern Premier League? Absolutely dozens of them. And they all know the way around. They're all big, strong, physical, you know, competent sides with, with you know, mostly really good managers who know the way around the league. So yeah, I have no problem with Scarborough and Buxton going going up. Buxton spent their money a bit wiser, I think. I think they had, they got better quality of their of their squad for the money that they had. Um, Matt Locker probably the biggest disappointment in the league because they spent hugely as well and and didn't get over the line and and sort of lost the plot after we beat them. Actually, didn't they? They they, yeah. they sort of fell away after we beat them. Um, so yeah, it, it takes away one of the big um, one of the big travels for us in Scarborough. It takes away a nice away day for you boys and all that. But um, you always get them in the winter. We always get them in the winter. We do. So yeah, it's I I, I have no problem. I, I think both of those can be argued that they were they were good value for for going up.
0: Fella, your first full season finally. <laughs> is I it,
1: is? it is. that. I have
0: finished in fifteen years. We we'll talk to the playoffs, but the fact that we uh, the fact that we didn't get the no failure, finishing eleventh with everything that was happening off the pitch. It was a it was an achievement in itself, to be honest.
1: Yeah, and, and it doesn't it doesn't feel that way. That's a good thing because I think we have you know high expectations and and hopes and aspirations for the club. I, I know that if you if we're sensible about it and we actually take stock of everything and, and budgets and infrastructure and all that sort of thing, yeah, we should be probably fighting a relegation battle more seasons. So, but I'd like to think that we've created a. An ambition around the place where you know we do want to to try and give it a go, and, and you can have a, you can have a go. I think teams have proved that you do, money isn't the be all and end all in football. You know, hard work can sometimes out, out outweigh that. And yeah, it is a it is a good season on the face of it. it. Doesn't it'll feel like a good season? I'm sure a little bit further down the line, but we we certainly we certainly want a bit more, and we certainly want to to do things a little bit better. And as I've said before, this is probably the most significant change in any summer that I've been at the club because of what's going on off the pitch. Obviously we've got new ownership. Um, I've got a, a mandate to go and recruit some players that, you know, there'll undoubtedly be six or seven um, players new in the door. There'll be six or seven that leave. You know, we, we've we've pretty much done deals for 10 players of the current squad and, um, and they'll be supplemented with with new players um, that have all got to come in and, and fit into the way that we work and, and how we do things, and they've got to try and make us better. But I am excited about it. I, I, wrote, I wrote eight names down on a piece of paper today, which I'm obviously not going to tell you, but I wrote eight names down that I think are real possibilities of playing for this football club next year, and they are good players. They are really good players, and they will make us better, and they would you know, potentially take us to a, another you know, a f- a future progression, um, and yeah, if the club finishes top ten, top eight, God forbid, top five, then that would be an amazing achievement. But like I'm saying to the club, we've got to prepare ourselves just in case. You know, I, I always remember that Stuart said to me the, the season that we got stopped for COVID, I think we we're, were fourth or fifth when the okay. in the in the March, and he said to me, uh, "You can get in the playoffs by all means, Mark, but don't win them." And uh, obviously, tongue in cheek. But that was more to do with the fact that there was a concern that our infrastructure is isn't isn't there yet. And so my challenge has been to the club, right? You know, how would we manage York City, Chester City? You know, how would we manage them clubs coming with a thousand fans, for example? How would we segregate? How would we we need water on the other side of the ground? All them sort of thing. We need a better pitch. So yeah but but just in case you've got to, we've got to be ready if if that opportunity arises, so I will go into the season next year mate with the same optimism i'll recruit by telling the players because this is what they will be told that we are aiming to get you know up and up and in and around those playoffs because we we think it's achievable um and we'll want them to buy into that as well, so yeah on the face of it, it it's it's been a long season mate it's been the toughest season I've ever had in football, but I am looking forward to. A fully normal season. This has been a normal season without being normal because of COVID and it's felt a bit weird. But I just want to get back to
0: football as we know it and as it should be. Felly, I've got far more out here than a bargain for.
1: (laughs) I I can't stop, mate. That's my problem. The the, the poor guy from The Guardian rings me every week and.
0: Banking on it, mate.
1: Can't get off the phone.
0: Thank you very much for joining, mate. Thanks for your time.
1: You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Enjoy your summer, mate. See you later.
1: Top man. See you later
0: we